Welcome to Practically Healthy by Dr. Melina, where I talk every week with some experts and really smart people to get the latest science and practical tips for what you should do, can do, and actually will do. And today, my guest, I'm very excited because he and I have, I feel like we've known each other for decades and worked together. So, um, but Dr. Andrew Orden is a board certified plastic surgeon. He is an Emmy-nominated host of the Emmy-nominated show, The Doctors, which I'm sure you have all heard of and watched. Uh, He also has a private plastic surgery practice in both Beverly Hills and Palm Springs, and he is a professor of plastic surgery at USC. So I am so happy to have you here. We we finally get to talk. I feel like we're always being produced when we're doing this show together. So we get to have like a real conversation where we can say whatever we want, however we want. I love it. Well, you know, it's such a pleasure to be your guest. Uh, you and I have spent so much time together on uh, our show, my show, The Doctors, uh, over the years. I mean, I don't know how many years you've been a regular recurrent guest, and this is fun for me to be with you. Uh, in most cases, you and I really see eye to eye on most issues when it comes to what you should be doing for overall health, nutrition, and that all translates to looking and feeling your best. Yeah. Well, oh, gosh, you said most cases. Now I'm wondering when did we disagree? <laughs> but well, well, I don't know. You I'm know, just if kidding. you do TV, you have to have a little controversy. That's true. That's I mean, true. You and I have been involved in so many of these controversial things, crazy diets, you know, the all meat diet, the, the, the fasting part of it. Uh, yeah. No, the, all these different trends. I mean, there's so many trends. Social media is just blowing up. And I think when you and I first started, yeah, social media was there, but not to the extent that it is now with with Twitter and Instagram and TikTok. I know. It's it's always, it it does make a lot of uh, great food for fodder, fodder for us to have discussions on what you and I have a passion for. Yeah, definitely. I think, you know, it's interesting that you say that because I feel like, yeah, I probably started coming on this show, I mean, 10 years ago, I think I had just had my first child. So it's been a while. But I mean, I think with, you know, one of the things that I really like about this show and the, uh, the conversations that we've been able to have is that, you know, we're able to bring some science and and actual medical acumen to some of these things that may be blowing up on TikTok or Instagram. I mean, this you know some of the ones that we've done with the dry scooping where the girl had a heart attack and oh yeah, where- the dry scooping. I we we did that not too long ago. I mean, that's our job, Doctor Molina, as the docs. We want to base things on science. We're supposed to be the voice of reason. There's just so much craziness out there. But getting back to to your point, you and I have been doing this for 10 years. Guess what? You haven't aged a bit. And Uh, guess why? What's contributing to that? And we're going to get into it a little deeper is that you practice what you preach. So much of it is good, healthy diet, exercise the right attitude, the right spirit, all of those go hand in hand. And I I mean, sure, we can't stop aging, but you're living proof. You put what you preach 
uh, to work and it's paid off. Well, I appreciate that. And it, it definitely, I mean, that's the, that's the interesting thing about you that maybe is, is unique too. I don't think there's that many plastic surgeons that truly understand kind of the role of, of lifestyle medicine. And, and when, so when a patient comes in, cause you mentioned to me offline that you can tell pretty quickly how they've been living. Does that change how your advice to them or what's that conversation like? Well, and we can tell that you and I have a trained eye as, as an internist with, with an emphasis on nutrition well, as an internist, I mean, you're, you are a great clinician. You look, you can pick up, you can tell by the skin, are they smokers? Are they having, uh, you know, what's the quality of the skin in terms of turgor and color and, and elasticity and wrinkles and all that? Sure, we can't get around the basic DNA makeup with our genetics, but I think lifestyle trumps your genetics, that you can beat your genetics if, you, if you're good about it. And our trained eye, we look at that and we can pick up that, hey, you know, this person is, their diet is questionable. Are they, and you can tell by their, their subcutaneous fat as well. Are they eating a lot of processed foods? Are they, are they eating a lot of pro-inflammatory foods that you and I don't like? Because, you know, they wreak havoc not just on, on, our, on our skin and aging, but literally every system of our bodies. So do you see that in the OR? Can you actually tell a difference uh, from an, you know, when you start cutting in? I mean, I'm, I'm sure that there's implications uh, for results, for healing from surgery, but it's fascinating if you can- I actually- sure do. And I, yeah. I'm gonna share like the insider's quote, you know, when I'm operating and I, uh, doing a facelift. I'm in the desert now. I operated this week. In fact, did a face, neck, lift, eyes, full Dr. O rejuvenation. But when I'm in there, I not only see, I feel that tissue. And unfortunately, sometimes, I don't know if you remember this from medical school, PPP, piss poor protoplasm. And (laughs) you can't get around it. I mean, you, when I'm doing surgery and somebody's you is is very greasy for example uh, i mean you can tell like wow this person's cholesterol uh triglycerides have to be out of whack that you can sense and you know you can sense just basic elasticity collagen elastin i get a sense for that when i'm in surgery and i go wow are are they doing the right things in terms of of uh, eating right protein balance all that good stuff Yeah. And I think that's really important because most people like, you know, I talk a lot about low grade inflammation when it comes to ultra processed food and not eating healthfully. And, and you know, it's an abstract concept, right? You, it's, you know, it's not like inflammation that you can see when somebody hits your knee or something like that. So the fact that you can see it, I think that's very powerful. I hope our listeners really absorb that because it's a battle that I constantly face trying to explain low-grade inflammation, you know, and the head-to-toe repercussions. You people don't get it. And you, you have, I've learned from you over the last 10 years talking about this insidious, this sneaky um, inflammation that may be going on in our bodies for whatever reason. And, and we know that that contributes heavily to cancer, for example, to obviously to 
your your neck of the woods things such as metabolic syndrome and things like that 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 uh, are really detrimental to your health and then we talked about aging and uh, its effect that that ongoing inflammation in your body just takes a toll on everything that's going on. So how do you deal with that? Because obviously if somebody's coming into a plastic surgeon's office, they want a quick fix. They are not, and maybe they haven't paid as much attention to lifestyle components, to diet. They they want you to make them look younger, thinner, fill in the blank. But from your standpoint, I would think you, both for cosmetic results, uh, you know, the elasticity, you can't improve elasticity of skin. You can only tighten it so much, but also for healing time for surgical complications. So what's that conversation like that you have? Well, you know, in this case, we're, we're talking about slightly older patient uh, that's considering, you know, some sort of facial rejuvenation, uh, let's say, and obviously medical clearance is a big part of that process. Now, you can't imagine over the years, what we've discovered with that pre-op clearance, people are are anemic or their, their blood pressure is uncontrolled or their cholesterol is, is way up. I mean, we have found so many different things, medical issues that are correctable. And we try to tune those up before surgery. Likewise, you know, if you're significantly overweight, whether it be facial surgery or body surgery, we encourage you to lose weight in a healthy, and uh, a healthy, safe, way. Obviously, if you want your surgery quickly, it may involve some some pretty drastic changes to get your weight down, but that's a big issue. We know that carrying all that extra weight is not good for getting the ideal um, result for you. So we look at somebody, smoking is a big red flag. So drinking too, that if you're a heavy drinker, heavy smoker, it's either a flat we're not operating on you. When it comes to smoking, we have we have patients stop and we check those nicotine levels mm. uh, to make sure that uh, they're at bay before we do elective surgery. Because as you know, that nicotine has effect on the small blood vessels, which uh, could compromise healing. We don't want uh, healing problems. We don't want post-op complications. And it's interesting too, when you talk about late weight loss, because this came up on a show that we did recently, if it's, too, we, that's why it's, it needs to be in a safe, controlled way, because the rapid weight loss, as we, we discussed with, I forgot what the topic was, but, you know, could potentially lead to stretch marks and an adverse cosmetic outcome. So as much as people hate doing this the right way and actually thinking about their diet in terms of, I mean, it's amazing to me because I have a med spa here in, uh, in wherever I live, Los Angeles. And, uh, you know, I have patients who are willing to spend thousands of dollars on facial rejuvenation procedures, microneedling, PRP products. They spend thousands of dollars on products. And I, I try to talk to them about their diet and they say, Oh, it, it's fine. I, I, you know, I'm just, I'm just going to pay for, but it does. I mean, that's the thing about me, you know, I mean, I'm 51 years old and I, 
accidentally had my first child at 40 and my second at 44. So I should have aged a lot more in this time. But and it's I don't do a lot to my face yet. I may be coming to you soon. I have a consultation scheduled next week, actually. But no, I'm just kidding. Um, but, you know, I, I think it's it's just so important. So and you address this in your book, which I think is super cool that better in seven, uh, the ultimate seven day guide to a better you. So tell us about that. Cause you've got all sorts of good information in that book. Well, it is, it's a fun book and I, it's a couple years, uh, since it, it first came out, I did a second release of the book during COVID because so many of us were at home and, you know, it's a basic, uh, self-help quick start, uh, tips that I picked up at that point, I had, I had had, uh, at least six, six, eight years of TV with the doctors where I've picked up all these little tips about uh, better sleep and better body and better mood and better sex drive and all those things. So I put it together in this so-called so, so self-help book. Anybody can do something for seven days and it's not, it's not, the diet part obviously is not meant to go much more beyond that, the the diet tips, you can repeat it. So you can go up to 14 days, but then you need to, hopefully at that point, you realize you, you, you have seen changes. You realize that I've got to uh, maintain a good balanced diet. But as you know, Melina, and you, you deal with people that have difficult issues, whether it's just losing the weight which in turn is going to help them lower their blood pressure and get their diabetes under control and all that stuff. The most difficult thing is, is, is starting. It's, yeah. it's in between the years. It's, it's in between the ears. It's lighting that spark to get you to start. So that's basically what I did in this, this book and broke it up into five chapters, different things, both how you look, but how you feel and, you know, getting your getting your mind in the right place too, and and as far as that is better mood, better sleep, and better sex drive. So that's basically the food uh, the food. That's basically the book in a in a nutshell. That sounds so cool. I love it. So it's kind of tips from from your years doing this show, not necessarily your practice completely. Well, no, and I, I think much more outside of the box now. I have to admit that before the show, for I didn't know what arugula was. I didn't know. I didn't know what turmeric was. I mean, all these, all these great things that uh, I've learned a lot about nutrition, a lot about preventive medicine. I mean, that's that's a big, big part to this day about the doctors. So it rubbed off on me and made me a better doctor, but I think it helped me, uh, made me a better plastic surgeon too, because I think these things are preventative and back to, back to your point, these people are getting ready to spend, you know, a lot of money with facial rejuvenation procedures. Well, you want to get your best results. So you want to tune yourself up in the first place. And then after surgery, you want to maintain 
the investment that you've made by following up with good habits. Yeah. And I love the guy. I love the idea that it's better in seven, because I think that's such an approachable number. Like for a week, I feel like most people can do anything for a week. So I'm probably going to have to read the, uh, the sex drive chapter because <laughs> as a 51 year old, uh, perimenopausal woman, that is something that I'm struggling with right now. And I, you know, it's, but it's, it, it's, it is, it's part of this whole thing. It's, it's, it's mind body and there it's so oh, it complex. You are super multitasking doctor, mom, podcaster, all of these things that you're so busy with. I mean, your mind is just, I'm not going to say your mind is so active, so busy with those things that it's, it's hard yeah. to prioritize some of these other things, for example, like, like sex, but there are tips in the book. And obviously uh, for any woman perimenopausal, we've talked about this on the show, you yeah. need to talk to your GYN about what options are out there. Uh, you know, there's definitely foods and you and I have talked about this. You come from a Mediterranean uh, background that the um, blue zone diet, so to speak. And we know that that whole Mediterranean blue zone diet is just so good for better sleep and for better sex. Yeah, it, it hasn't worked for me for either of those two things, but at least I look good and young and I feel good. So um, for all the other ancillary benefits, and I did my first, like, have you ever heard of F45 training? It's the, uh, yes. so my sister has a franchise in San Mateo. I did my first F45 class over the weekend with her. I was visiting and I almost died three times, but I made it through and I did this vertical jump onto this, I was very proud of myself. So the Mediterranean diet is serving me well in many capacities. Unfortunately, sleep and sex are not two of those. <laughs> That's where I fail, but maybe I'll get some tips in your book that'll help. Those are chapters four and five, by the way. Okay, I'm making notes. <laughs> Chapter four, five book. Got it. Okay. Get your yellow magic marker like yeah. med school. <laughs> oh, my, my highlighter. I was I was one of those nerds that always was at the front of the, I'm, I'm much more of a visual learner than auditory. So I had to write everything down because if I just listened to it, I couldn't retain it at all. So, um, so I'm curious a little bit how you got into media in the first place. How did it start for you with the doctors? And I also think, by the way, the fact that you say it made you a better plastic surgeon is one of the coolest things because I do think surgeons tend to be very myopic and to cut is to cure and and they're just kind of trained not to look at the patient holistically even just beyond their surgical field but the fact that you're taking in all these other considerations too i think is extraordinary so i, I commend you for that and i'm glad the doctors was part of that i appreciate that melina and i have to admit that when i started oh i'm the plastic surgeon i'm the surgeon and you know that that mindset has changed over the last 14 years for the better and uh i always say that i'm a doctor of physician first and plastic surgeon and an otolaryngologist second and third and you know i guess my my passion for all of it the whole specialty of medicine rubbed off. You know, my two kids are physicians, wow. surgeon, and 
Shannon is the psychiatrist. So no plastic surgeons, but, uh, you know, they followed in my footsteps. And I, I, I think, and I definitely did not push them or steer them in that direction, but I think passion and just positivity and uh, uh, enjoying what I've done over the years rubbed off on them. But to answer your question, I was in the right place at the right time. As you know, The Doctors is a spinoff of Dr. Phil, produced by Dr. Phil and his son, Jay McGraw. Now, they have a younger brother, Jordan McGraw. He went to high school with uh, my son and daughter at Brentwood School. So uh, I was there at the same time. Jordan was a friend of my my, uh, son and daughter. And I met Dr. Phil. Jay McGraw met my son through Jordan. They came up with the idea of the doctors, talk show format, a panel of doctors, different specialties. They had decided they wanted to have a plastic surgeon. So when that casting uh, process started, I was on the short list. I was in the right place at the right time. And uh, I met with Jay and I met with Dr. Phil. They knew of me. There's some funny stories that they shared about me as the plastic surgeon. One stands out that I did a closed reduction of one of their friends in my living room after a party and a little too much drinking and a fight and all this. Wow. So that story trickled down to to Jay and Dr. Phil through Jordan, the younger brother. And uh, that story, I guess, resonated in some fashion with them. Like, this guy's pretty cool. And I became a part of the cast with the original four and uh, Melina on the last man standing. I know it's amazing. It's, 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 it's fun to see you in action all the time though, because I do think, you know, your, your perspective now is, 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 quite broad and and you you know you forget sometimes that you're a plastic surgeon with with your comments because you know uh, you you chime in on everything and you have very thoughtful things to say and multiple and then every once in a while you'll say you know when I was in surgery and I'm like oh wait yeah I forgot he's <laughs> plastic I didn't realize you were an olaryngologist oh I can't even I say that it. first so I did general surgery then head and neck surgery, otolaryngology. Then I did the residency in plastic surgery. So a lot of training, and uh, it gives me a great perspective. I can comment uh, on those specialties as well very comfortably, general surgery, head and neck, and, and finally plastic. So for me, that was a good route to go. Yeah, that's interesting. You know, I'm wondering with the head and neck surgery, so do you still do any um like head and neck oncology type of surgery? Not, no. not oncology. I still, as a uh, rhinology, as it applies, I still do functional nasal surgery and some sinus surgery mm-hmm. uh, when I'm doing a rhinoplasty. Almost always I'm doing septoplasty, turbinate work, uh, improving the airway, improving breathing while I'm doing that, that um, surgery. Other than that, really, I've gotten away from the the obviously head and neck cancer surgery and the head and neck reconstruction. But, you know, what I do in the face and neck with rejuvenation is all all based on, you know, the skills that I learned first in head and neck surgery and then 
uh, in plastic surgery. Yeah, you know, it brings up a question because we did an episode. There's, we've done a lot of episodes together recently. I think yeah. I did like eight in the last couple of weeks. But, you know, I'm curious, and I have, uh, unfortunately, some personal uh, aspects to this question. But, you know, we did that segment about how much drinking has increased during COVID, um, which... Uh, you know, I, I must say I can certainly relate to. And um, I was recently diagnosed with, uh, well, I've had like chronic laryngitis. And so the ear, nose and throat person that I went to see thought it may be due reflux. to the it, right reflux from the excess alcohol. So do you is that a very common thing? It sure is. And only lately have we realized that these problems a sore throat changes in the voice are coming from below. I mean, that, there was a small paragraph or two back in the old textbooks, but now that we realize that uh, reflux is much more common than you think, especially as we get older, just that whole mechanism of swallowing the esophagus, the relationship with the stomach and the esophagus, you get that reflex and, you know, that's very acidic. It's going to cause inflammation uh, in and around the top of your esophagus and the larynx the voice box is right there as well. So uh, what you need to do is get that uh, reflux under control and whatever it takes. If it, if you have to avoid certain foods, if you have to cut back on the alcohol, those may be part of the, uh, program, but there's so many great things we can do now uh, medically to control your reflux. I have the same problem that that when I drink or eat spicy foods, that I'm going to have issues that I can feel voice changes, especially in the morning after sleeping supine like that. So look into that. My guess is that's what it's where it's coming from. Yeah, unfortunately, he told me that uh, alcohol and caffeine were the two most likely suspects. So I said, well, if I have to give up one, which one would you choose? And he said coffee. And I was like, okay, I'll try that first. Because, you know, I think you and I have talked about our little uh, uh, preference for fine wines and, and cabs. And that one is, uh, is a little bit harder to give up, especially during these, and especially during the holidays, which is, but it was interesting, you know, the woman that we had on, I don't know if you remember, but she was really talking about abstinence and that, you know, you could have fun without drinking and everything. But I, when, as, when you talk about the blue zones and you look at the, all these cultures, having a glass of wine with dinner as, as something social with your family, sharing a wonderful bottle of cab like to me that's joy that's happiness and and i it can't sure is. right and all in moderation and yes that guest made a big deal well well it's the social aspect it's a ceremony and i agree if if you can do that and give up the alcohol and, and it works for you fine but i think what we're saying we picture that 90 year old gentleman somewhere in that in that um Mediterranean rim with that little wine glass sipping on his red, which he's done uh, probably for 80 years now. And, you know, there's something special about it that you smell the wine, you look, you look at the color, you toast. It makes you feel good inside. It's bonding with the family people. And I mean, I, 
I agree. And I'm not encouraging drinking for anybody, right. but that aspect, you don't want to give that up. But uh, in moderation. Of course. Yeah. And that's the thing. Luckily, when you drink good wines like we do, um, you're not chugging them. I mean, you're you're really and and food wine pairings, you know, the fact that foods can accentuate the wine and vice versa. Like, you know, that would be for me, that would be such a loss in my I mean, I'd be willing to give up an extra five years if I could <laughs> keep that in my because it's about well, enjoying I mean, your that's life. What, yeah, that's the MO that's been going on for thousands of years. They've discovered vineyards uh, around the world that have been there forever and ever. And this is the way man functioned again with, with the right foods and uh, the other lifestyle habits and in moderation I think we're on the same page here. Definitely. So let, let's go back to your practice a little bit, because I'm just curious about, um, you know, what do, what do you do the most of? Like, what are some, you know, the biggest mistakes I that... I still like to do. I still like to do everything. So that includes everything on the face. I, I, I like doing facelifts, neck lifts, brow lifts, eyelids, noses, probably the best uh, and, and is my favorite at this point in my career. But I still like uh, doing body contouring, tummy tuck, mommy makeover, liposuction. I still like doing it. I still do it. So I don't want to give anything up. It's, I, I've been doing it my entire career, so I still enjoy uh, doing all of it. To your, you know, the Brazilian butt thing, I think it's gone a little out of hand uh, and I, I think we're the trend. I mean, it's still there, but we're seeing some women that had those big butts created now want them reduced. So like everything else, styles change what people want uh, changes. I, I think we've gone a little bit overboard with this obsession that people decided that they want to have a figure like, you know, who out yep. there, the, the, that very curvaceous uh, wide hip look. And, you know, we did a lot of those things. I think it, it, it got out of hand. A lot of plastic surgeons, you know, that's pretty much all that they do because yeah. the demand is there. Not a, not a, I, I like doing it and I, I think it works well, but uh, I think it's gotten a little, a little out of control. And then to your other point, what do I see that, that bugs me? I think it's the overuse of volume. We know aging, it's gravitational changes, it's fine lines in the skin itself. And number three, we lose volume in our face as we age, especially in the cheekbones. For some people, it's in here and around the mouth. Studies have shown that that, that volume goes. So there is a place for, for adding volume to our faces to make it more youthful. But I think we've gone overboard with that. And I think part of it is that, you know, there's many, many providers out there, non-surgeons that are doing volume enhancement with all the different fillers we have. They don't have options to do other things so that they rely on one thing. And you've seen it, Melina, that people relying on volume, just overly blown up. They don't look like themselves anymore. They're unrecognizable. So 
I, I think that is a disturbing trend. Sure, I will add volume when indicated, but you know, if your face really has aged, I mean, it stands to reason. You can't just overly inflate it. You need to put things back where they were. If you need to enhance it with a little volume, you can do it. But that that is a pet peeve. And with these lips, you know, I'm a big believer in a, a procedure called lip lift, where we make an incision under the nose to, to give a more youthful lip, smile, and perioral region, region. If you just rely on volume for lips, and you've seen it too, you get yeah. some really, really crazy things out there. So, you know, it's the surgeon talking there that I think in a lot of these cases people would be better served with surgery or nothing at all than overdoing with volume so that's sort of my my big takeaway as far as plastic surgery today you know i think that's a really practical tip too and i think that's very relevant to what i'm trying to do here is because you know uh, not try uh, doing everything you can to avoid having surgery may not get you what you really wanted in the first place. So I think that the idea of going to a board certified plastic surgeon, you can always choose not to have surgery, but yes, if you go to a practitioner that can't operate, they're not going to suggest a surgery because they can't do it and, and they want the business. And so they're going to try to use fillers or all these things. Maybe Those they'll do friends. a good job. Huh? Threads. threads. Yeah, maybe they'll do a good job. Maybe they won't. But I think it does make sense to start with a board certified plastic surgeon to really at least know what the ideal plan is. You can always not do a surgical approach. But I, I, I hadn't thought of that before. But that makes a lot of sense to me because I do. I mean, I'm in LA, you know, and I just see and people walk in and it's crazy, too, because at first you see them without the masks. I mean, with the mask and then they take the mask off and it's like it's a little startling, you know, <laughs> when you see their face. So um I think that's a wonderful, you know, practical tip. As we're wrapping up, um, you have any other practical tips that our uh, our listeners and viewers can that that you that work? Maybe they work for you the most in your life. It's get yourself uh, on a basic skincare routine. We all need to do that, and don't overdo. You can overtreat your skin uh, when it comes to overly scrubbing, overly exfoliating, but in general, you want to cleanse your skin. You want to get all of your makeup off. You want to do gentle uh, exfoliation um, probably uh, two to three times a week. Protection from the sun. That is the single biggest thing. We know that sun damage is the single biggest culp culprit uh, when it comes to aging your skin on your face. And you know, use sunscreen when you're out, wear a hat, wear sunglasses. And if you want to do something that really provides help to your skin, use something that contains retinol. Retinol is an active ingredient. You can now get it uh, over the counter that will stimulate collagen, uh, stimulate uh, elastin. If you're good about it, have to be religious and, and use it a couple times per week, you will see changes in your skin. So the takeaway is get involved in a good basic skincare routine. Uh, it'll serve you well. 
That's good. I'm going to have to look. I, I've stayed away from retinol. So even an over-the-counter version would be acceptable yeah, at this point? It's going to be in a, in a, like in a 0.01%, something like that is safe. No, that sounds great. I think I'm going to have to start that up right after this. I'm going straight to Rite Aid. Okay. <laughs> um, so what's next for you? Do you have anything else coming up? Any books? I know uh, the show, you get a little bit of a reprieve from the show over the we holidays. Uh, I'll, I'll be seeing you next month to yep. do some more TV. We do have a little reprieve. And uh, with everything that's going on out there, there's always more stuff to talk about. We have to wait and see how this Omicron plays out. Hopefully, uh, it's not as bad as some people are saying. And, you know, I've, since I'm not doing TV, I'm focusing on the practice of operating, enjoying it still. And the holidays are here. I'm going to spend time with family, uh, my kids. So I'm looking forward to that. And as you know, I do go to the Middle East to operate. So I, I hope to make that trip to Dubai, Abu Dhabi, and Bahrain either January or February. Wow, that's amazing. And you operate on on uh, like cleft palate or what do you operate on over no, there? No, no, this is, this is um, elective aesthetic surgery. So I do everything. Wow, very cool. Well, that's exciting. All I'm right. Like Brazilian butts in the Middle East. Let me tell you. <laughs> I didn't realize that was the thing over there with all the I garments that they, they wear. Yes, they like that look. That's awesome. Well, where can people go to learn more about you? What's the best way to get more info? Well, go to my website, drorden.com. You can go to the uh, doctor's website to learn more about me and what I do in the doctors at the doctorstv.com. You can find me in Beverly Hills. Uh, you can find me in Rancho Mirage. I'm an easy guy to find. Sounds great. Well, this has been fun. I so appreciate you coming on this show. And I think you gave us a lot of really practical tips. So there, I, I love it when guests give me something that's going to change me. So now you're going to make me look even younger. Next time you see me on the doctors, uh, I'll be even younger. So thank you. I look you. forward to that. Okay. And, uh, I'm going to toast you. We don't have our glasses. Virtual toast. Here, but, but cheers. Really a great interview. Always great seeing you. And, uh, to good health. Thank you so much. You too. Good to see you. Bye. You've been listening to Practically Healthy by Dr. Molina. Subscribe, like us, send us questions. Our guest today was Dr. Drew Orden, the host of The Doctors and one of a good friend of mine. And uh, I really enjoyed talking to him. So hope you tune in next week. Take care. <laughs>